Hi and welcome back to Video Drone. Uh, after quite a long absence, um, lots of things have been happening, but we're, we're back now. Um, it's after Christmas. It's after the Force Awakens. Indeed, we've yeah. both got to see it. Uh huh. And it's okay. It's, it's great so now. It's better than okay. It's, it it delivered <laughs> as far as we're concerned. So yeah. I and I finally got around to seeing Spectre about two months after it came out. It was literally the last <laughs> day it was on. Uh, but other than that, I've been a bit. Remiss with the pictures. Yeah, same here. The last thing I went to see was The Force Awakens as well. And uh, I've been meaning to get back to go and see uh, The Hateful Eight and a few other bits yeah. and bobs. But I am going to try and catch The Hateful Eight this week, but it is sort of dropping out with the pictures as we yeah. speak. That's the thing, Dead. if you don't get to see them uh, pretty quick these oh, days. Well, it's been well, a few weeks. I mean, that, that one, um, you know, the likes of The Hateful Eight and The Force Awakens and stuff like that, you know, bigger films. Yeah. They'll be on for a while, but if we're talking something that's not entirely mainstream, you... You're not good, really, yeah. if you don't go and see it in a few weeks. Totally. <laughs> so, this time up, we are travelling way across the oceans mm-hmm. to Hong Kong, and we've been watching Full Contact. Yeah. And then we're back over the pond to America, and what we've got there, Craig? Uh, Invaders from Mars, Toby right. Hooper film from the 80s. Uh-huh, and also... And also, finally, The Burbs. The Burbs, Joe Dante's finest, maybe? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Let's have a watch. <laughs> Okay, first up this time round is 1992's Ringo Lam directed Full Contact, mm-hmm. um, starring Chow Yun Fat, Simon Yam, and Anthony Wong, um, three Hong Kong heavyweights. Yeah, um, bonkers little film. Absolutely. Um, we've watched <laughs> multiple versions of it. Basically, it's just a question of whether we had subtitles or dubs or dub titles. Even <laughs> um, got a few different versions of the film. Um, I found out while sort of watching these to review there is a longer, heavier version of it. Yes, I've, which I've heard about. That, I've so. never seen so um, I've just seen multiple different versions of different subtitles and all sorts. So, plot of the film is Chow Yun Fat plays. Well, if you're watching a dub, it's Jeff. If you're watching <laughs> a, one of the subs, it's Jeff. And if you're watching a different sub, it's Gao Fei, and that is what he's called in the movie. It's Gao yeah. Fei. Um, he's a bouncer in a nightclub. Um, he's got what well, depends which version of the film you watch. It's a cousin, mm-hmm. um, played by Anthony Wong. Sometimes yeah. it's a buddy, sometimes it's a, it's it's family. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, he's always bailing him out of trouble, mm-hmm. and basically just gets deeper and deeper into bother. Yeah. Um, pulling Sam, who's just a, a crap gangster, yeah. um, out he of trouble. Gets into some trouble with a loan shark initially. Yeah. And that what that's what prompts them to do a robbery to help him out of the situation that he's help in. Help Sam out of the situation. Yeah. With the Uber criminal judge played by um sometime model um Simon Yam, who's just awesome in this film. <laughs> yes. Um so that's basically it. Escapades, NCAA. maimings, um Yeah, lots Families of violence. Being massacred. Yeah, all sorts, burn <laughs> victims, you name it. So um where do we start? I mean, this is early 90s Hong Kong action cinema. When Hong Kong cinema was pretty much at its, at its finest, would you say? Yeah, I mean, John Woo was busy being exported across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Ringo Lam was sort of waiting in the sort of in the shadow of John Woo. He 
really could have taken over, but why he didn't, I don't know. I don't know. know, and now he's sort of making dodgy films straight to video with John Claude yeah. Van Damme, isn't he? Well, well not even that was that was years ago now, <laughs> I don't know what he's... I think he's gone back to Hong Kong cinema now, oh, good, but good. maybe he's not had the same success as he had back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did have a string of films. I think he's always been a good producer, but uh, mm-hmm. directing films, um, this was probably his t- top of most of the pop of most. Um, that's just where to start on this film. Yeah, it's it's such a sort of crazy, sort of series of like action and set pieces and stuff. That yeah, just I keeps mean, on going, doesn't it? It's got the look of an eighties rock video. If you're thinking, um, <laughs> very much sort so. of what you call that Australian director, director who did uh, Highlander, Russell McCallie or whatever. Yeah, pronounce it. Everything looks like that. Um, it's motorbikes, super stylized lighting, lots of smoking. Lots of smoking, <laughs> lots love of the rain. smoking in Hong Kong yeah. films. Almost, it's almost fetishistic the way they sort of have a good. Uh... <laughs> yeah, lots of smoking and very cool ways of lighting cigarettes in this yeah, film. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's exactly ah, what I'm yeah, at, definitely. Yeah. Uh, um, so we've got Chow Yun Fat with a really bad haircut at the start of the and film. And it looks like it's set in the 80s, even though it's the 90s. I think it's just that's Hong Kong catching up yeah. with the rest of the world, I think, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe. Um, but it's, it's a hyper stylized film. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of violent. It's kind of martial artsy, but not martial artsy. It has the same kind of like choreography, and the, when they're in close combat and they're sort of like knocking each other over and sort of punching and kicking and stuff, it has that same choreography where they're always hitting into things and knocking stuff over and that sort of thing. Yeah. And like it has like similar sort of camera work, but it's not. You know, they're not martial artists. There's a lot of. But some, of the, some of the supporting guys yeah, are. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, um, some of the and they do get can. chucked about. Yeah. So and some of them are cl- clearly like stuntmen. That yeah. some of the stuff that they do, like most Hong Kong like Lazardi, oh, yeah. <laughs> and where in the day. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, there's a lot of gunplay in it towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, quite a lot of knife fighting in it. Um, Chow Yun Fat's character has a butterfly knife that he uses. Yeah, quite often in the Obviously, film. Obviously, originally that was cut out of the UK release. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not allowed to see those. Um, <laughs> yeah, martial arts weapons in the eighties uh, to like uh, to nineties were uh, a bit of a no-no. Nah, weren't they? Nunchucks and even uh, yeah. even cut out the likes of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> there's nods to Big Boss. Mm-hmm. There's a fight in an ice factory, yeah. which is just an awesome, awesome fight. Um, according to the commentary, which I did listen to, it was just impossible what happens. Blown up canisters with guns and stuff, but yeah. uh, it's still a good fight. And that bit with a knife. A guy's ha- uh, hand gets knifed into an ice block and eventually the knife gets taken out and the hand just slips away. It's just brilliant. It's so <laughs> funny. Um, but it's, it's a bizarre little film. The lead man, Chow Yun-Fat, actually gets maimed about 20 minutes, half an hour yeah. into the film, which is, for a lead man in a movie like this, um, is quite surprising. Uh, I wonder but, what Hong Kong audiences thought about it at the time because, you know, Chow Yun-Fat, even when he was like a hitman, he was generally quite a sort of heroic character. Oh, he's super cool, yeah. But um, in this, he's a bit more of a sort of he's a bit more painted as a criminal. I mean, he, you know, it's it's it he's still underlines a, the fact he's, he's still he's a still, good guy. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the Hong Kong titles was was chivalrous criminal Gao Fei. Right. Um. So yes, he's still he's like you know he's, he's the antihero. Ah, he's still, he is. Yeah. You know, he looks after the girl who's like um who's horribly burned in the fire. Like uh, yeah. When Judge attacks, like because Judge attacks a family in his relentless pursuit to get a Galfey he kills well, yeah. his family the idea was to do a robbery and then the the, the it was the money lender at the start had said alright oh, you've got to bump off uh, his character when you do this robbery so they do the robbery then kill him but obviously it doesn't work out and then obviously Galfey comes back for his revenge against Judge that's right because Judge orders um, Sam to like uh, to kill him basically execute him yeah and apparently in the, in the sort of in the original cut which is like a bit harder which likely got in Hong Kong there's supposed to be a bit where 
when he sends him into the house to kill uh, Galfay, he asks him to bring his eyes back as proof. Now there's a re- there's a ref- that's supposed to be that a is, reference to the yeah. scene where he says he has mesmerizing eyes. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> he does talk. Yeah, because when he comes back at the end, because long for a long part of the film, the baddies think that Jeff Galfay is dead. And when he does come back and reveals himself, he says, we've still got nice eyes. We must explain that the character played by Simon Yam, Judge... He's very is, camp. Is, well, no, he's not camp, he's just gay. Yeah, well, he stop, he but he's super but camp he with super it, camp. yeah. He's camp I mean, Christmas. He wears a jacket uh, that has been nicked off Nicolas Cage and Wild at Heart. Snakeskin jacket, and it's oversized. He has these cravat sort of style like shirts that are kind of like half frilly sort of tie and yeah. half shirt. He wears a corset at one point. <laughs> Um, but, but always, he always has these kind of like effeminate kind of uh, boys like around him and stuff. Oh like yeah, kinda. yeah. He's, uh, he's going going back to that scene for one second though is that um, in that scene where he's asked to bring the eyes back as proof. If you look at the version that is freely available in most territories, like the Hong Kong Legends version, which we've yeah. got in the UK, mm-hmm. when uh, Sam says leaving the house, he has his hand like uh, clutched, and you can see blood in his hand, and he's supposed right. to be holding the eyes. So he'll have pulled them out and of one of the corpses another... in the house, yeah. That's right, yeah, he's supposed to have cut them out of one of the bodies. Ah, but it shows, right. apparently shows that in the original Hong Kong version. Mm. And then he's supposed to present them to the judge, and he takes that as evidence of him being dead, and then he blows the house up. Right. So there's like there's three cuts in it, basically. Mm. But um, I've never seen that version before. Some people have accused this film of being a bit tasteless. It's a bit. There's some pretty weird things in it in terms of like, you know, the the characters and you know, the, it's it's kind of a, a bit out there in places. So speaking of the characters, <laughs> what is you watch the the the, the proper subtitled version, mm. and the um, judge has got two sort of henchmen. Yeah, a boy and a girl. One's one's nicknamed Psycho in the. Uh, Psycho's the fella. Yeah, who's called Dino in the version I watched. Mm-hmm. And what's the girl called? Um, she is called uh, Lau something. Or right, she's called one. Virgin. Yes, <laughs> in the one I watched. So Which you got is Dino and Virgin? Why Dino? I don't know. I think it's it's something like Lau Ganam or something like right. that. Right, so I can't remember. Uh, yeah, off the top of my but head, she's but just. She's basically like. A, Psycho slut. Psycho slut. Yeah, that's the only way you, you, you can say. But um, yeah, but when when she finds out she's sort of accidentally done the dirty, it's like oh, it all goes pear shaped for her very quickly. But I mean, the, the the subtitles um, on the, the sort of Hong Kong Mir version I watched is just nuts. There's one bit um, when Charlie and Fat's on the phone to Simon Yam, and the, <laughs> I know the, what you're say. they're arranging it. Um, a meet meeting up. for the final show. And he says, wash your ass and wait for me. That's just like, oh, <laughs> That's exactly the much. same on the version that I watched. Too much, too Cause much. Because he's, he's basically saying it's a shame. He says something along the lines of, like, I wish I'd gotten to Got spend a night with you. Yeah. He's clear, uh-huh. like, as we've mentioned, he's clearly attracted to him. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And he just basically, <laughs> that's exactly what he says, wash your ass and wait for me and puts on the phone. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> And we won't get to the final line of the film, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, you need, this, you need to appreciate the final line for yeah. yourself. It's 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 interesting. It is, but um, yeah, it's so it's it has of, some. Sorry, no, on. no, you've got, you've I was going to say it has some amazing montages as well. Yeah, well, I love the bit. Actually, it's funny because I know there's a new Paolo Sorrentino film just come out called Youth, and the last film was called um, The Great Beauty. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit in that film where the guy's lying on a bed and he's looking up at the ceiling, and there's sort of images projected on the ceiling yeah. as if he's thinking. And it's exactly the same in this film. It's, yeah. it's a it's an image of the girl in the swimming pool that's mm-hmm. incredibly effective in this film. Yeah. And they're made, made for buttons, but there's some good little bits like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really effective bit, and it's it's really well done. 
But um, the first uh, montage is quite interesting because I was I was having a good laugh at that one because it kind of follows the Team America archetype of <laughs> show lots of things happening at once, remind everyone of what's going on. Because <laughs> it even actually replays the scene in which the family are killed and like uh, and Judge is sort of laughing like maniacally uh, and he gets like maimed with a knife and all that sort of stuff. So it is like very much, you know... Yeah, the, the the typical montage, but the other one you talk about is very artistic. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's very nicely done. There's some great, some great uh, sort of artistically composed shots. But I mean, it's like yeah, we've got a training scene in it. Mm-hmm. When he's, I mean, is that because I know in the comedy they're saying is that Shao Yun Fat really swimming in that horrible water? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed because he ends up in Bangkok uh, and he's sort of, like you say he actually loses some fingers, a finger and a thumb from his yeah. hand. Uh, and he's got to retrain with a gun, which like by throwing bottles in the air and trying to shoot them, it's just like that's too much. It's great. It's so good. Um, but by this time, he's also got a little sidekick dog. Yeah. Um, and how cute, cute is that? Dog? Yeah, it's very cute. There's a there's a montage of all the dog scenes on YouTube. A... Full contact puppy edition. <laughs> oh, superb. <laughs> um, I, actually, the end of the film, I don't think really mm. giving anything away. Reminded me of Drive. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. If you think about it, it's uh, that, mm. that's what came across to me. So, I mean, part of the film is that when Jeff has to, so, well, gets maimed and has to be, is living in Bangkok, mm-hmm. he's left as, is it his wife or is his girlfriend? I don't think it's clear. No, it's definitely not his wife. Well, no. in, in the subtitles that I saw, they talk about getting married in the bathroom he, scene. Right, yeah. And he says something about when I come back to um, to China, like, I want to meet your dad and I want him to introduce him. I want you to to be introduced to him and yeah. this, this sort of thing, and she says something along the lines of like, um, you know, once we're married, we'll do this and that, um, but I want you to like uh, to wait for us there until I've done this job, sort of thing. So yeah, and he says, well, she says, well, I can't just wait and come along with you, mm-hmm. uh, and it and it, yeah, so it, it in that in that version it establishes that they're not married, yeah. and they're just going out, but so we we when... haven't really. Um, Talk about the fact that Sam actually steals That's it. That's exactly what I was going to mention. Because and, Jeff's out of the picture, Sam makes his move and, and they're mm. a couple. And then what happens is sort of uh, Jeff comes back almost as a ghost. Although Sam obviously knows he didn't kill, kill him. him. He just because, a, 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 he assumed he went up in the explosion. Yeah, which would be more apparent if you've, if you've seen the original version because of the eyes scene. Yeah. But uh, isn't so much in this. No, exactly. And she even confronts him and said, did you know that he was still alive? Mm-hmm. And he kind of, you know, skirts around it, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does. But um, it's, uh, if you were talking about, like, you know, you think of these movies where people betray each other and, like, sort of, you know, there's, like, double crosses. It's probably, like, quadruple crosses in this Yeah. Film. <laughs> it's hard to keep track. But it's, uh, it's just a proper balls-out Hong Kong action film. It's just highly recommended by me. Absolutely. I mean, um, it's 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 just one of those films that's really, really uh, fast-paced and it's got like a 90-minute run time or something. I not yeah, there about. Yeah, it flies over. And it just flies over. One thing that I've noticed mm-hmm. you've got noted down there, bullet cam. We'll just yeah. mention that before we wrap this sure. up. Sure. It's, um, it's like The Matrix, 10 years or whatever it is, a good five, six years before it came yeah. out. How would you describe it? Um, at the time that I saw it, it was it mind was, blown. Oh yeah, because basically the, think... the shoot a gun mm-hmm. and the camera sort of follows the. You see the bullet and you follow it to its final destination, something... whether that be somebody's eye or, or whatever. a glass, glass or something yeah, like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's um, there's, a, there's some really good uses of it. 
I think it, it might have been the first time I ever saw that in Hong Kong cinema. Mm-hmm. In this film, I'm pretty sure it was. It's a great idea. It is. It's and a it's really good really idea. Really well realized for the time. And the thing is, is that we're very used to it now. Even Hollywood used it. Obviously, Fraser mentioned the Matrix. Yeah. Even um, you know, it's not bullet time as such. It's bullet cam, isn't it? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, the Matrix popularized what was known as bullet time. This is bullet cam. It's basically. Follow showing the, the path of yeah. the bullet uh-huh. and that's like, it's a mechanic that they used in games like Max Payne and stuff like yeah, that yeah I was going to say it became, yeah, it became had, prevalent like, a, in video games didn't it yeah, yeah very much so but it, when the first time you saw it it was so spectacular you were like mm-hmm. how did they done this I mean we watch it now and we're like god that looks really nasty but it works it really does work it's yeah good. there's some really surreal scenes of like dancing in the film as well because Mona, cause Mona it's, which is uh, yeah Galfe's, um old girlfriend and who's now with Sam there's loads of scenes of a dancing film yeah uh-huh. Quite a long time in the club, and there's this weird tribal dance scene that's like used like twice. Yeah, with the, the, the techno music and that. Yeah, <laughs> aye, it's, it's it's bizarre. Um, aye, it's all a bit flash dance, isn't it? It is. Yeah, very flash dance, <laughs> especially the first one. Yeah, yeah, the water um, and that. That's the yeah. sort of over the credits, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. Mm. It's um, you must be able to pick this up for buttons at the shops. Oh yeah, I, mean, the... I don't know what the uh, Hong Kong Legends version will set you back, and if it's out of print at the moment. Yeah, it will be out of print now. Um, but... Uh, but it's it's a really entertaining film. It's it's really crazy and it doesn't take itself that seriously. I do love the final showdown. Yeah, I think great. the fact it's sort of last ditch with them both both really badly injured and like anyone mm-hmm. could win sort of thing. And it's, yeah, <laughs> it's it's really it's really good the way it's done. But yeah, it's funny you mentioned the smoking as well. Now I think about because there's a lot of sort of having a cigarette, spitting it out, and then firing yeah. at the same time. It's just so it's like That's the nearest to John, John Woo would get. As well. yeah, there's a lot of flicking of cigarettes in yeah. John Woo and that sort of thing. But I mean, we didn't mention that Simon Young. Keeps doing magic tricks. Yes, I. There's one bit he lights a cigarette and his fingers are alight, mm-hmm. and he just blows them out. And then he produces knives out of sort of handkerchiefs. He's like, that's right. There's a bit where he flicks magician. a handkerchief sort of forward and like and shoots like some sort of concealed gun. All like, yeah, it's all a bit taxi driver, like isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's cool. <laughs> but even that bit at the start, you think, you know, it sort of totally sets up the character when when they do the raid on this uh, sort of mm-hmm. shop at the start of the film that this is the bad gang. And he produces this sort of what do you call them little knives? It's like a Japanese sort of katana type thing. Yeah, it's like sort a, of short, it's a short, short dagger. Yeah, short samurai sword thing. And he whips it up and he just stabs it into this girl, but he holds it there for what seems like minutes. It's, yeah, he's a nasty character. He's great. I love Simon <laughs> Yam. But Anthony Wong is quite underplayed in this compared to other yeah, films. Definitely, where he plays a total like but mentalist. And between the three of them, it's it's brilliant. Really, Charlie Fat's um, one of those actors that. He was always sort of, uh, you know, from the very first moment you saw him in something, he just kind of commands your attention. He's just one of these, he just has a sort of intensity about him. It's a shame that Hollywood didn't really do much with him. Most Never, of, just couldn't put I him in the right vehicle. I can't think of a single Hollywood film that he's in that is any good, really. No, either or, don't I mean, know how to use him. Mm. He's been in some sort of half-decent, I think, what's the one with Mark Wahlberg? It's half really decent, yeah. It's kind of a, it's more, thr- it's more of a thriller, isn't yeah. it? Police corruption. It's, just a good, the title. it's a good film, but it doesn't, it doesn't serve, use him doesn't well. It doesn't use him well, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, replacement Killers, nah, not That's like good. a really watered down John Woo movie, it basically, is, yeah. isn't it? Like, I mean, it's, he wasn't directed by him, to be clear, but it's, it's like taking the model of his filmmaking mm-hmm. and making something really underwhelming with it. Yeah, and just not having the style and panache. To pull it off, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's a shame. But I'm, I'm sure Charlie and Fats crying all the way at the bank with all the movies he makes. <laughs> like, so he's not bothered. But he had a stab at it, and I'm sure he he, he thought probably thought it was okay. But never mind. See what he pops up in next. Indeed. Cool. 
right after that super long review of uh, Full Contact. There's just so much to talk about that film. We'll uh, move on to Invaders from Mars. Yeah. Uh, a 1986 Canon production directed mm-hmm. by Toby Hooper. Yeah. Uh, obviously a remake of the 53 William Cameron Menzies uh, sort of mm-hmm. classic. Uh, what was that? What was, that's not really Cold War era sort of. It was commie era sort of yeah. science fiction film. Seminal mm-hmm. science Paranoia fiction movie. Classic. Paranoia, yeah. It's the commies are coming. Um, I remember watching that film as a kid and yeah. loving it. Yeah. Loved it is it. A good. Yeah. It is quite an effective sort of uh, little um, yeah. sci-fi. It was film. like a six o'clock BBC Two job straight after yeah. me two from school, but I really enjoyed it because there's mm-hmm. loads going on in the film. And plus, the as a youngster, the central character is a kid. Um, the adults don't believe in that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the plot of the film is a kid thinks he sees something coming down in the night skies. In the fields behind his house. Yeah. Turns out he's right, and there's invaders from Mars, basically. Indeed. And how they invade is by sort of... Implanting something in people's necks. And, yeah. Controlling them. And controlling them. And uh, that's basically the plot of the film. And mm-hmm. it's obviously the same for uh, Toby Hooper's version. And that's about it, right? <laughs> um, what it was with this being the 80s, effects ruled... Yeah. And the effects on this film were done by Stan Winston. Mm-hmm. Um, so effects are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, as were the optical effects, John Dykstra, who was mm-hmm. involved with Star Wars, etc. So that's what it was all about. Um, in this film, there's no real heavy hitters, really. I mean, obviously, we've got Timothy Bottoms as the dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nurse in the film is played by Karen Black, who's mm-hmm. been a stalwart in genre films for a long time Absolutely, now. Absolutely. Yeah. Very recognisable as soon as you see her. Yeah. Uh, but. The whole film rests on the kid's shoulders. Yes. Uh, and the kid isn't a great actor, is he? Yeah, Hunter Carson. <laughs> uh, who Actually, I found out last night, if Wikipedia is true, was actually um, Karen Black's son. Which I did not know until you told me that. And he did. Emily got rave reviews in Vim Vendor's film, Paris, Texas. Right. He's the kid in the film. Um, yeah, since I've seen that film mm-hmm. as well, so I can't really remember. I'm not saying that But... One. Basically, he holds his film together, but he doesn't because it's not he's a very rubbish. good film. He's rubbish. <laughs> he's in a different film, isn't he? He is pretty much. And it's the thing is, we'll just we'll start from the beginning with the, with the first scenes where he, you know he sees the sort of uh, ship and everything. Mm. Really like the title sequence, and I really like the sort of arrival the, of the, the title sequence is like a sub Superman yeah, thing, wasn't it? it? Like it almost three D. Yeah, with yeah. The, the coming the, towards you, the, coming, the, the names, yeah, the names and, and the, the credits coming towards you, wish, with the wishes with a sort of starry background. <laughs> But I love, but I love the score in that it's got a very like it's got a very sort of atmospheric kind of um, B movie score. So it starts off with this quite like nice title sequence, even though it is a bit reminiscent of Superman, like you say. Um, and it's got this very effective kind of B movie music. Now the score is really good. Mm. That is one thing this film has going for. It mm-hmm. has a good score and it has good effects. Um, the opening scene with the ship landing that's quite good. Then you get to this uh, scene where the kid and his dad are having breakfast. And his dad's obviously something not right with him. Mm-hmm. And it's like a bit like the Invasion of the Body Snatchers uh, movies. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like... It is, but it suspect, isn't, yeah. The characters suspect that something's wrong with the people they know. Yes. And they're being controlled. And I think that that sequence is quite effective at the beginning, where his dad's a bit weird. Mm. And the acting, you know, is from the kid, is he, he's a very cheesy actor. He's, he just doesn't... He seems like he's in like a really camp. He's in a panto. Yeah, he seems like he's in a really camp movie, but this movie itself takes itself a bit more seriously. Yeah, and there's a few actors like that in the film where they seem to be in some kind of like nudge nudge wink wink camp, like you say, like sort of pantwish, mm. daft comedy. Yeah, 
but the film has taken itself seriously and it's at odds with everything else. Some of the nods in the old old films, brilliant. The old alien yeah. sort of chief is in there in the basement yeah. at some point. Um, That's right, yeah. In the background. There's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of sort of... Um, it's Menzies High School. Yeah, there's little yes. nods to that, which is very common these days. Probably not so common in the 80s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I've but, written down here, kid is unappealing. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> But can we just um, rewind a little bit? Sorry, go sorry. To, like the structure of the film. So we start off with um, all the sort of paranoia about the fact that the dad's been taken over. Yeah. And despite the kid's best efforts, his mum gets taken to like the crash site. Because the dad keeps on wanting the kid to go to the crash site yeah, to see which what he's same seen. Same as the original, yeah. And he's like, and the kid knows that something's wrong. He saw the ship and obviously he doesn't want to go there because he mm-hmm. knows he's going to become one of them. So um, he's, despite him... Despite his best efforts, his mother gets taken, and mm-hmm. she turns into one of them as well. And yeah. she's really creepy. There's a scene where she, where she sort of gives him a hug, and it's like really uncomfortable, yeah. and it's kind of like really lingering, and he's like oh. afraid. Um, and like I say, these scenes in it like that, they should be really good, but because of the acting of the kid, it just he doesn't sort of gel with the rest it's of it. No tension, is there? And there's there's an army uh, sergeant guy uh, later on in the film who's yeah. incredibly cheesy as well, mm-hmm. and it's like in the scenes where. Mm-hmm. It should be being taken seriously. He's referred to earlier on the film as Mad Dog. Right. Um, it's General Mad Dog that. Wilson. I'm pretty sure he's referred to as Mad Dog. <laughs> and then that's not explained for when it does get yeah. that part of the film. And he's actually, that's James Caron. He's in Return mm. of the Living Dead. Yes, he is. Yes, he's the... Uh, he's, and he's, he's a good character actor. He but is he, a good he's, character actor. He's kind of okay in this, but he's wasted. Totally wasted, as is Louise Fletcher. Mm. Um, from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Nurse Ratchet or whatever she was called. But she gets, I don't know, she's good at what she does, but it just doesn't work in this film. I know. Um, so, you know, the, another thing is the reveal of the actual aliens. Um, while the great Stan Winston creations, and they look fantastic by B-movie stands, I mean, they're very silly looking. Yeah. Aye. But if you like that sort of thing, it's it's great. Uh-huh. Um, sort of big bulbous heads with like big fangs and like these kind of laser Skinny arms, on the yeah, shoulders. aye. Um, and they had like skinny arms, uh, but that it's it's done really well. I mean, it's it's like it's intended to be like Men, looking like a B I movie. Mean, not, I mean, bearing in mind in the original, it was blokes in furry suits, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, which and was, like an alien Martian leader thing with tentacle things coming out. But of his that head. was cool. That was that was yeah. creepy because it was carried around in an orb. Exactly. Wasn't it? And it was just this head suspended. And like Fraser mentioned, you can see the orb and the head in the basement in one scene when they're in the school, which yeah. is a little reference. Mm-hmm. Um, it does, in some ways, capture the feel of like a fifties B movie quite well, but it's yeah. the fact that it's so mismatched. Mm-hmm. It doesn't quite work. I mean, they did a lot of good work in terms of like referencing the original. I mean, the hill and the fence out of the back of a the kids. Spot on. That is just looks like it is in the original. Looks exactly like it does in the original. It does, yeah. Um, <laughs> I noticed that when the kids are in the classroom and they're uh, they're sort of being they're taught by the teacher who's also been converted. That's Louise Fletcher, them, yeah. yeah. Um, there's like an there's an art, there's an R two D two in the background, it's like a DIY one. I'm What's assuming that? the kids have made. Oh, like yeah, there's like a project science or project. Yeah, <laughs> but again, that reminded me because they're going to cut the frogs up. That reminded me of ET. ET, yes, yeah, very yeah. much so. There's a scene where the kid finds um, the teacher um, on her own in the back room behind like the classroom, and she's actually eating, she's eating a frog. The frog yeah, and that reminded me a little bit of V. You know how they eat the yeah, hamsters and uh-huh. ferrets and That's things. Def- and that was about <laughs> roughly the same time as well. Yeah. So. Very odd film, and uh, I mean, part of it's actually at one point the kid's watching telly and he's watching Life Force, yes, <laughs> which is so unsuitable for children, well, exactly. And why and is it on the middle of the day? Yeah, yeah, we should point out that's another Toby Hooper film, in case you don't know, yeah, which is and that's like that's a um, 
it's an acquired taste, shall we say. It's a bit of a B-movie gem, in my opinion. Oh, that's, that's balls out, that. That's, yeah. yeah. This is I, just, I love it. But, right. um, this is a damn squib compared to that. That's the one to check out. I mean, that's so bad, it's like, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. The monsters revealed when you actually see the sort of Martian soldiers, if you like. Mm. Uh, like, say, the sort of bulbous head things with the laser cannon and that. That's revealed a bit too soon, I think. Aye. It's about, what, 30, 40 minutes in the film mm-hmm. or something Yeah, like yeah. The kid goes, he follows his teacher into the, into like, this kind of cave or cavern thing, mm-hmm. which is actually the ship sort of disguised. Yeah. And he, and he, it's like very Geiger-esque inside, you know, there's all this biomechanical stuff, yeah. like pipes, like organic, the set uh-huh. design is great. Oh, yeah. And like, you see the sort of Martian um, kind of soldiers, and then you see the sort of leader thing, which is kind of like a brain head. That comes um, out on a, like a long tongue out, almost, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, like it's a peculiar. Sort of, um, on a kind of, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Like like kind a, of pops out of this sort of orifice. Yeah, for want of a better word. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's like it's very B movieish, but it's if you like those sorts of things, it's very Actually, good. It reminds me of the little fella that pops out of the fella's belly in uh, Total Recall. Oh yeah, Quato. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's like. Quato's a mutant, so don't get upset when yeah. you see him. <laughs> but he doesn't really talk much, does he? he just grounds no, he, people. Right, there right. is one bit where he, um, there is one bit where he actually speaks like uh, in mm. English, and he yeah. says something like, uh, "Oh, what does he say again?" He says something that taunts like David, the, the, the young the boy. Kid, yeah. Uh, it's only like a few lines repeated again and again. Mm, towards the end, isn't that kind yeah, of what it, it was now? So you've, so you've got the three types of threat. You know, you've got the alien-controlled humans with the implants, and then you've got these bulbous-headed things, and then there's the alien leader, the Martian leader. Mm. Um, but the fact that they reveal them in, like about 40 minutes in or something like that, when he sees them, he only gets a brief glimpse in the mind. Yeah. But, you do, but it does show you them... Yeah, I'm saying he gets a brief glimpse in, but really it shows you them quite. Yeah, obviously, in we're, yeah, he's seen them from a distance. We're getting the close-ups of, of what's yeah. going on. Um, and I mean, that's to me, like that should have been revealed closer at the end, really, yeah. for be a bit more effective. Uh huh. Um, um, it's just a no. I mean, that's like I was saying to Craig. This film came out in '86. I've just seen it now in 2016. 30 years wasn't worth the wait. No. Uh, I tell you one thing that was quite nasty was when they, you see them getting the implants put in. Yeah, the bit where there's a there's a soldier who's captured yeah. at the end when they try to storm the ship, when the military get involved, and um, there's this device the implant puts the implant it's in there, drilled like in the back drill. of his head, yeah, and that's like a bit strong for what was in America a PG thirteen yeah. or something. I think I think it was a fif- was it fifteen over here? Yeah, because yeah. the thing is, is this is something we we will probably discuss in our Burbs review as well. Is mm-hmm. the the rating system? You know, we didn't have the equivalent of PG thirteen. We only had PG. Mm-hmm. And then fifteen. So a lot of films that were PG thirteen in America became fifteen over here, like Gremlins, Gremlins The Lost yeah. Boys, yeah, and uh, and you know, and a lot of others. And, um, and by today's standards, they're all very tame, really. Exactly. So a lot of the films, you know, in that kind of era, which were aimed at the family, but maybe were a bit more creepy. Yeah. Um, I think Killer Clowns was another one, wasn't it? Killer Clowns about space. That. You can get that <laughs> right if, if you listen to this surely You can get it at, um, at HMV five quid on Blu-ray, spot on. Oh, fantastic <laughs> film. <laughs> Depend on your tests. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, PG thirteen. Um, it was a strange time because a lot of these films shouldn't have been fifteens, but they were in this country because we didn't have an equivalent. Exactly. Rate. Yeah. So they had a no lot choice. of Jordan's films were like that. Yeah. Which we're going to be going on to talk about in a while. Yeah. Um, but you know, it starts off like looking like it might be quite good, but it just sort of descends into like. It's it gets, a. F- I think it's a film that both me and Craig wanted to enjoy, but we, we really wanted to enjoy. Yeah. And that's the thing, and there's good things in it. The score is good. The Stan Winston mm-hmm. effects are good. The, it just didn't. Yeah. Quite gel, and you know. 
all I mean, it looks like the production value is pretty good. Yeah. For the for the time, and it's mm-hmm. all been like, all right, let's get Stan Winston in to do the effects and things like that. And even then, that's quite inconsistent. If you mm-hmm. notice when the when the monsters are getting shot, the squibs going off. When the humans get shot, they just drop down dead in a sort of fifties B movie style. Yeah. You know, it's odd. And it's got one of those kind of shitty. Was it a dream? No, it wasn't. Yes, well, it which wasn't. it did, did did in the original. To <laughs> to be fair. To be fair. Yeah. But it's just not very effectively done because no. it, it, it you know if it's a was it a dream ending it should leave you with that well was it or but not and if, if, get you to think about it but it's like was it was it I no, mean, no it wasn't these days it would be <laughs> uh, inverted commas reimagined you know it would yeah. be a different film with this sort of basic premise but uh, nah it's what just, kind of kid takes his penny collection to bed in a sack with him well, that, that kid's told you he's a strange kid. <laughs> right, yeah, I he's, think... a, he's clutching his pennies in a bag because he's got a penny collection. But Thumbs down, Craig. Definitely. Oh no, just give it a miss, folks. Don't yeah. bother. Right. <laughs> I think that wraps it up for the invaders from Mars. I think we'll have to move on to the burb sharpish. <laughs> right, final review a day. Bit of a palate cleanser after Invaders from Mars, I think. <laughs> is uh, 1989's Joe Dante film The Burbs. Yeah. Uh, starring Tom Hanks, Carrie Fisher, Bruce Dern, Corey Feldman, mm-hmm. um, Brother Theodore. Henry Gibson. <laughs> uh, there's a few, there's a few, few names in it. Um, Certainly is. Obviously, Dick Miller's in it because it's a Joe Dante film. And you need a, you need a Dick Miller cameo. Uh, exactly. Um, so, basically, what the film's about, as the title suggests, it's uh, set in the suburbs, mm-hmm. and it's just basically some crazy neighbours have moved in next door to uh, Tom Hanks. Well, when we say crazy neighbours, think along the, the sort of along the lines of the Adams family. I would yeah. say. <laughs> um, and it's just about yeah the rest of the sort of cul-de-sac they live in being who's suspicious. suspicious and there's all these oddball characters that live there yeah not as oddball as the next door neighbours to Tom Hanks maybe yeah but, but certainly out there oh yeah yeah so Fraser did you ever think we'd be discussing a film with Tom, Tom Hanks in it on the podcast <laughs> no not on this podcast no <laughs> no um, which brings us to an interesting point really because Joe Dante has always been somewhere between the cult and the mainstream true I mean, um, you know, he, he makes a lot of movies that are a bit sort of darker than your average family film. Aha, uh-huh, like Gremlins, for, for instance, which yeah, is which like is Spielberg is. produced and you'd expect it to be light yeah. and fluffy, but it does have some dark scenes in it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, um, this was your first viewing of the film, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And, and I'm what... still battling with it yeah. as to whether it was good. Um, I don't know. I think. Like we said, that the, the cast's great, mm-hmm. and uh, to me, it, it, the, the the sort of the, the bits of the uh, well, I haven't really discussed the plot or gone in depth. I don't think we should, for spoiler wise. Mm-hmm. But uh, on paper, it should be knockout, yeah, like proper knockout. I really like the film, but I I, I don't think it's uh, Jordan's best. I no, mean, no, no. It's definitely got flaws, but I, I think it's maybe it's nostalgia for me because uh-huh. I watched it uh, like you know. So when I was a teenager and it was because it was such a sort of dark and subversive film for a comedy and not what I was used to at the time from American comedies, I really enjoyed it. Uh-huh. And I still like it now, but I can see a lot more flaws in it watching it as an adult. Yeah, uh-huh. definitely. But um, it is a very subversive film for when it was made. I mean, it's because it, cause it does subvert your expectations as to what to expect from it. Yeah. You know, you it could easily be like a sort of uh, more of a kind of... Um, typical comedy about suburbia I suppose yeah and you know to anyone who's grown up like uh, more recently you know to the sort of younger generation will be familiar with Tom Hanks in all of these roles where he's 
the sort of Oscar winning material you know he's always in quite serious roles but obviously he was a very big comedy actor back in the day yeah I mean this I suppose big was a couple of years before this mm-hmm. wasn't it and yeah. the trailer for the film really sells up Tom Hanks mm-hmm. um, as being the, the sort of star attraction as it were despite sort of being you know Brewster yeah. and Carrie Fisher still sort of riding the Star Wars trip I suppose absolutely I mean but you'd probably never see a film like it these days uh uh-uh, uh no way no uh, <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's it's a it's a strange setup because basically as we mentioned you know the neighbours are really suspicious about these these um this, this new family that's moved in uh-huh. really keep themselves to themselves the house is a bit dilapidated it's <laughs> just a bit yeah and um, the basically are only seen outside late at night digging holes in the uh-huh, garden. And there's strange lights coming out of the house yeah. and all sorts. And it doesn't help that uh, Tom Hanks is uh, Ray is his name, by the way. Yeah, his name. yeah Ray Peterson, yeah. Yeah, um, his neighbour Art is really, really like, um, kind of, uh, he's, well, he's prone to a bit of exaggeration and Just a bit. acting a bit crazy. And yeah. So he sort of sets his imagination away, and by between the two of them, Aye. They start to get a bit sort of um, overly interested in the neighbours and start to maybe think things that aren't possibly true. And that, like I say, it does subvert your expectations. You know, you, you're not really sure for a good portion of the film as to whether they are in fact doing anything untoward or not. Because mm-hmm. it, it all sort of culminates with things going a bit too far and them starting to creep around the house. and About the breaking and entering. Basically, basically yeah. Yeah, aye, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's, it starts to get a bit sort of creepy on their side, you know, oh. and you start, like, as a viewer, start to question. What the hell are they doing? Are they going to get themselves arrested? Yeah, right the, the neighbours are called the Clopex. Yes, the Clopex, <laughs> yeah. And going back to the character of Art, he's, he's, you could kind of view him as a bit of an offensive stereotype, really. You know, he's the kind of obnoxious He's the obnoxious guy. American that you'd, the way his Brits would expect, <laughs> yeah. basically. He goes around uh, Ray's house and he's like rifling through his fridge saying, you're oh, going yeah, just... to finish that when he's eating his breakfast. Oh, and just... His wife's clearly annoyed by his presence. Oh, <laughs> But um, yeah, but Carrie, he does provide some good comedy moments, though. So Carrie Fisher um, plays his wife, and she, mm-hmm. she plays it nicely. But Bruce Stern in this one. Now you say how it's funny because I mean Bruce Stern's all over at the moment with him being Oscar nominated and stuff. He's in the yeah. latest Quentin Tarantino film. Now I always thought Bruce Stern has been the hippie, mm-hmm. and in this one he's playing a gun nut. He's like a, yeah. he's like uh, a Vietnam vet who yeah. is just basically puts the flag up every day and that and salutes mm-hmm. it and he's all in camos all the time and stuff like that. And he's that. dying for a mission and when they give him a mission no, he's, not, he's well up for the Clobex with his like CB and his like military gear and he's, he's there. He's, he's, he's bang up for it but um, it, it's, it's a peculiar little film. I mean I wouldn't not that we're like the pigeonhole films but I wouldn't know where it sits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's dark. Comedy thriller. I mean um, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's hard to classify one. isn't it? It is. It is. There's some great physical comedy in the film from yeah. Tom Hanks. I mean, he really does uh, put himself through the ring of jumping about in this film. There's, there's a great improvised scene. <laughs> it's, I suppose, it, could this be classed as spoiler? I'm not sure. You know the bit with the ambulance towards the end. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah Basically, he's having a fight with Henry Gibson. Right. No, I wasn't talking about Oh, were well, you talking about the dive? Yeah, I was ah, talking right, about right, the, yeah. right, yeah. I was talking about the fact that he, he basically sort of He's talking about how he's kind of seen better days and he's been he, through the ring. He wants to go to hospital. <laughs> he wants to go to hospital. He chucks this uh, gurney in the back of the, um, the ambulance and just sort of throws him dies on, dives on top it. of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I his wife's like, you going to be okay? And he's like, yeah, sort of moaned to himself. <laughs> <laughs> they literally just close the doors on him, don't yeah. they? But um, yeah, so I mean, obviously you've got Henry Gibson, who a lot of people remember as the, uh, the mad Illinois Nazi from the Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um Brother Theodore, who was sort of this sort of like 
cult guy in the seventies and early eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know much about him, but he's he's got a very sort of uh, interesting face. Yeah, and he's, he suits the role totally. He really does. Um, but they, yeah, the, the only way I can describe them is Adams family-ish. But you don't really get the bottom of what they've been. Well, you just kind of do, but you don't know the whys and wherefores. Yeah, it's it all does leave really a lot odd. open, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, in terms of you know what they've what they've actually, um, yeah, like the back the backstory of the family, I guess. I love the start of it. You have got the old uh, old fashioned Universal logo, mm-hmm. and a lot of people do this with the Universal logo. I'm thinking of um, what you might call them, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, it's a sixteen-bit sort of universal logo mm-hmm. at the start. Well, in this one, it's a universal logo, and it's probably one of the earliest times I remember where they just zoom use, into the yeah, yeah zoom into the, the world. logo as part of the movie. Yeah, right? and you keep zooming in and zooming into America, and then down uh-huh. literally down to the cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I was nice touch that, especially in the sort of pre-CGI mm-hmm. age that this yeah, was made. Um, definitely. So there's lots of nice touches like that. I've got a note here. That I can't remember now. It's been a couple of weeks since I watched the film, but there is a sort of almost a spaghetti western. Style sequence towards the start of the yeah. film, so with him standing of, on the street, yeah, yeah, surveying everything. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, it's, that was cool. Obviously, we mentioned Dick Miller's in it mm-hmm. uh, with Robert Picardo, who played one of the wolves, uh, the werewolves in the Howling. Yeah, and another Joe Dante movie. If you yeah, don't know. exactly. And he was Johnny Cobb in Total Recall. <laughs> Total Recall, yes. Yeah. Um, he quite <laughs> often pops up in in Joe Dante films as well. Uh, and does. those two play a couple of garbage men, and it's a funny part of the film. Yeah, like, it is good because they basically start to rake, like Ray and Art start to rake through the Klopex garbage. Yeah, determined to find some proof that they're that they're uh, guilty. <laughs> that of just gets left out in the street for the rest of the film, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> Over it's, a number of days, it's got good continuity in that. It way. does. There's a couple it of does, little yeah. things that comes back to where you think, oh, they 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 pick, they've uh, they've noted that oh, and uh, not forgotten about it. Um, there's a couple of films that are glimpsed in the film. There's like there's uh, scenes where Ray is watching a movie, which, and, which um, set off his sort of nightmares, don't yes, it? Yes, exactly. In fact, one of these films that uh, uh, glimpsed we're going to actually cover in an upcoming episode because we're, because we saw this and we said Craig, what's that film? And you said Race with the Devil. Yeah, which is a quality which film. I knew what, what it was, but I'd never actually seen it oh. myself. So Fraser's like, you've got to sort that out. Yeah, oh well, so yeah, we'll get I've got a copy. Yeah, so we'll be doing but that yeah, next so episode, hopefully. That's one of them. Um, oh, the other one is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Strangely enough, another Toby Hooper directed film, yeah. which we were talking about Toby Hooper doing Invaders from Part of his, yeah, Canon deal. Um, yeah. yeah, and that was part of his Canon deal. That was another one of the movies he made for Canon. And the other one is uh, The Exorcist. Which I think this is this is that sequence is the one that got the film in trouble with the BBFC censors. Yes, because originally when the Burbs was released on VHS, it was a PG. Uh-huh. It's now a twelve because it has that scene. I think there may have been something else um, cut from it. If I remember yeah, rightly as well. maybe it's just a use of a chainsaw. I think maybe which is well, part yeah. of the film as well. I mean, there was so they had such a big problem with um, the text chainsaw films that they even. Um, they even removed the word chainsaw from some film titles. Oh, like Hollywood chainsaw, chainsaw hookers. hookers. Yeah, 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 it's just Hollywood yeah. and then image of a chainsaw. Uh, yeah, uh, that's strange. Tragic. But yeah, um, also the, the interesting thing that I noticed upon uh, watching this film is it rips off a major sound effect from Star Wars. See, I missed this. You did mention this to me ages ago, but then you just questioned yeah, me before that. it was quite way before we watched yeah. the movie, though. And I just... I must have been watching the film too late and it just washed over me. <laughs> There's a scene where the Klobecks are... Um, doing something with the electric late at night and the generator's going and uh-huh. it's sort of pulsing and there's a light pulsing from the basement uh-huh. and Ray and everyone in the street gets out and starts to, to like watch and think what the hell's going on here and um, as the sort of generator's like um, lighting the street up 
you hear like this sort of uh, power down and then power up noise, and it's the, it's the noise that the Falcon makes when when it when it's kind of engine or whatever yeah, it is, and dies, then ha- and then Han Harrison, smacks the yeah smacks board. it and then starts up again. Uh, <laughs> it's the sort of boom, like your banger. Yeah, but if, of all the noises they could have stolen, you know, you think they'd been a, a much more like low key sound. Yeah, I think most uh, people would remember that. I uh, like Star definitely. Wars. Yeah, I must have been off sleep watching that. That's all I can say. <laughs> but it's it's an odd film now. You've got the Arrow version of this, haven't you? Yeah, there's um, two cuts of the uh, of the film on the Arrow um, disc. There's a work print with some alternate scenes, uh, slightly extended takes, and little different bits of dialogue in that. Mm-hmm. And there's also an extended ending. Right. The extended ending. Um, we don't want to get too spoilery with this, but it basically shows you a little bit of what happens after. Um, the, sort of the aftermath sort yeah, of thing right, it's kind okay. of a bit of the aftermath I don't want to get too much into that because you haven't seen it because the film it does, quite, does yeah. sort of finish I wouldn't say abruptly, abruptly but, well, well yeah yeah it does kind of finish right. abruptly because you with don't, a bit of a fourth wall break by uh, Corey Feldman yes there is uh, that's quite interesting actually because I can't really think of many films where um, maybe besides Ferris Bueller where uh, the, the main yeah. character is like talking to, not that he's the main character he kind of narrates, kind of narrates the, the yeah. opening and the ending yeah really. He saw like a book end to the film. Because he's weird. He just sets up that the fact that all the neighbours are weird because he just sits and watches them get up the mischief. And, just and he invites it. all his sort of teenage <laughs> friends around to watch and stuff. It's yeah. dead weird. And when things start to sort of kick off and like uh, the cops start to get involved because they've been, you know, breaking into the neighbour's yeah. house, he's just sort of sitting and like in the, having a street fight with his mates and they're all like having to a good watch laugh yeah. at it. Uh, it's, it's peculiar. <laughs> it's very odd. But yeah, I can't really think of uh, many films in the 80s where they had that kind of fourth wall breaking thing. Uh, no. I'd like to say a first pure but um but certainly not many others um there's actually a very interesting similarity between um the burbs and another jordante directed film that's his segment of the twilight zone you meant there's um there's a scene with with an ambulance in the twilight zone and the sort of protagonist uh fighting someone in an ambulance yeah and there's a similar scene there is in this and they're yeah. both directed by uh, Jordan. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. i would have only I probably wouldn't have noticed that, but I watched The Twilight Zone a few months say, back. Decades since I've seen The Twilight Zone. Holds it pretty well, actually. Does it? Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, might be another one there to re- to review at some point. Yeah, definitely. Um, but apparently the script was also revised uh, because of the choice of Tom Hanks. Um, they said that uh, the because uh, Tom Chan- Tom Hanks was chosen in the lead role, they rewrote certain bits of the film be- simply because he was in it. Because originally they were going to have his character killed off. And they said, well, we can't kill Tom Hanks off because he's too well-loved. So they basically uh, rewrote that yeah. to that change the That would have been ending. a totally different film. If, if, it really if, would have, yeah. I mean, not, I can't say anything for spoilers, but yeah, totally different film if they'd done that. So <laughs> what do you think then overall? I, I, I like it, but maybe part of that's nostalgia. I mean, I do think it does have some quite funny scenes. The dream sequence and things like yeah, that, you know, that where, where Tom Hanks ends up on a, basically a giant barbecue. <laughs> yeah, we Clope, Clope X are going to sacrifice him. It's class. <laughs> we didn't mention the fact that uh, there's a there's a local urban legend about a, a character called Skip, uh-huh. who was an ice cream vendor when they were when Ray and uh, Art were kids. Yeah, who basically killed his family, and kept the remains in his basement. And he and he tells this creepy story to like to everyone. Uh-huh. And it's and it's like you know. It's sort of you know one of these things about the dark hidden side of Americana. Yeah. Um, and it's quite a good sequence, but in the dream, like uh, he's dressed as like Skip, the sort of crazy ice cream vendor art is rather, and he's like sort of menacingly like leering over Tom Hanks on a big barbecue. That's right. Yeah. And there's just some really good scenes with uh, with art 
sort of being a bit of a dick. <laughs> he is a very obnoxious sort of character, but he is quite funny. He is as well. Um, but I do, I do think it's it's a canny film, but it's it does have some flaws in the way that, like you say, um, it could go a bit deeper into some of the reasons why uh, and the sort of backstory of the club a bit. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I mean, it's taken me this long to catch up with it. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's entertaining for me, Midland, yeah. but I think you like it a bit better. Probably, yeah. yeah. I think maybe if you'd seen it back in the day. Yes, it's oh, one of those films you probably have more I, love for. I remember now. it coming out, but it never really sort of grabbed us because I couldn't figure out what sort of a film it was. Mm. Um, and like you say, it is a hard what, one to pigeonhole. It, it is, and really. whether or not it doesn't sort of sit with the sort of the British mentality. Yeah. If you know what I mean. It is very an American's point of view. Yes. Um, mm. Yeah, maybe that's what put us off. And, Maybe sort of audiences off because I don't know if it was a. I'm, I'm sure it probably made its money back eventually, but uh, maybe because I don't the think star it was a, power uh, yeah, I still think it was a, it was a big hit. Uh, or might have been a big hit. I don't know. I'm not sure. Should we no, have to look into that? Should but, do. Uh, <laughs> but certainly, um, I think it's worth a watch. Well, I picked it up for fifty pence on DVD. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right then. Well, so that's the verbs, and uh, thanks for joining us for another episode of Video Drone. Brilliant. Catch you next time. <laughs>